Good morning, good evening, good afternoon. Wherever you are, this is the Interpreter's Workshop Podcast. I'm Tim Curry, your host. Here we talk everything sign language interpreting. The ins, the outs, the ups, the downs, the sideways of interpreting. If you're a student, a new interpreter, experienced interpreter, this is the place for you. If you want to know more, go to interpretersworkshop.com. Let's start talking interpreting. And now, the quote of the day by Henning Mankell, Swedish author. Many people make the mistake of confusing information with knowledge. They are not the same. Knowledge involves the interpretation of information. Knowledge involves listening. In this last part of our conversation with Nevis Kotovac, Croatian Sign Language Interpreter, we learn a little bit more of her research and how it benefits the Croatian Sign Language Interpreting profession. She gives us a little bit of advice on how we too, as practitioners of sign language interpreting, can help in our own communities. Let's get started. Let's go back to your research that you did with Umasli. Mm -hmm. What was the focus of your research? Yeah, so Umasli uh, is actually encouraging uh, all of us who, all the students involved in the program to think about um, contributing to our communities, to our countries, mm -hmm. and to do some things that are vital or needed in in our areas or regions, countries, wh whatever you you choose. So I decided to, uh, my topic was um, the profile of the employed Croatian Sign Language Interpreter, because I wanted to know where we are standing now. So what's the point that we are starting from now? Mm -hmm. And we are actually starting from, from a profile of a 40-ish old female who has caring responsibilities, meaning having children, meaning that she has to balance work and life, mm -hmm. meaning that she has around 10 years of interpreting experience, mm -hmm. interpreting mostly in social welfare centers, medical settings, and I would say work-related uh, mm -hmm. meetings and uh, settings. Also, I was uh, interested in, in knowing how many interpreters actually that, that's the thing that I've kind of missed in my research because of uh, ethical constraints mm -hmm. but I wanted to find out how many interpreters are working part-time in schools part-time in uh, associations that I kind of failed because I couldn't directly ask the question but in some from, from some answers I could conclude that there are a certain number of interpreters working in educational settings and also in in deaf association, so in community interpreting. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was uh, actually interesting to have accidental learning uh, when I asked the people about their interpreting education that they had. Mm -hmm. And people were replying about their language level or language education, language knowledge. Mm -hmm. They mentioned that they went to some courses, that they went to um, some semesters, where that actually showed me that people are still not fully in understanding what's interpreting and what's knowing a language. Yeah. Uh, also, I expected much more codas 
but it was kind of a 50-50. Uh, it was, I think, 26 uh, coders, uh, 27 coders and 26 people that are, they don't have any connection with the uh, deaf community. Mm -hmm. It was interesting. The average Croatian Sign Language interpreter has a four-year high school. Mm -hmm. And that was, I thought that it's going to be like more than like 80%, but it turned out that there are almost the same number of people who have their bachelor or master's or even PhDs, mm -hmm. almost the same number. So it was kind of a funny, funny for me to, to, to understand that because until my research, I thought that people were CODAs having like four year high school education, even though some of them have three year high school education mm -hmm. and that I will not find any of, or maybe there will be a few people that have university level degree. Mm -hmm. That was interesting. And also interesting for me was that out of those people who had any degree, none of them finished any uh, interpreting program, mm. like in any language, because there is no sign language uh, education in Cray, uh, I mean, at the university level or in, in interpreting program. Yeah. So that was interesting. And also, since we tend to use three different terms in Croatia about interpreter's job, mm -hmm. so I intentionally left the Croatian terms, so this communication intermediary interpreter, and you would understand in Czech and in Croatian, we have kind of a sim similar thing, so too much mm -hmm. and prevoditel. Mm -hmm. So when we discuss about spoken language interpreters, we say interpreter, and in Croatian, that's prevoditel. But when you discuss in sign language community, they usually use the word too much. But the thing with that term is even when people uh, were trying to define it or those th three terms is that it can be understood in like a few, few different ways. One understanding is people, uh, interpreters working in courts. Yeah. So we're fine with that. But the other thing is the understanding of a person who is explaining something to another person. Mm -hmm. And that's the thing that we would like to avoid. At least I would like to avoid in my work. <laughs> I don't think that it's my job to explain anything to anyone. I think that I'm interpreting. Yeah. Even though that I do include in some of my interpretation explanations about some terms, but that's still interpreting, mm -hmm. even though it's like said in different words. Yeah. And it was funny to to see that people decided with the term prevoditel, the, the interpreter, the one that, that's used in spoken language community. Hmm. And that's a good thing to know, even though most of those things we did know where, where we are starting from. Mm -hmm. But for me, it's a good thing to know that uh, actually the pool of interpreters is kind of a spreading to people that aren't involved in deaf community that started learning, uh, that are interested in uh, Croatian Sign Language and interpreting uh, after they have graduated from university. That's a good thing. Mm -hmm. And I think that we should build up from there. So have university-level program, have, well, frequent at, at least, if not regular, education or workshops or mm -hmm. whatever, well, whatever fits in this continuous professional development yeah, yeah. Yeah, so yeah, that was that was my that was my research and it was really interesting to do it because EO Muscle is all about I mean, uh, it's a program for sign language interpreters, but it kind of uh, draws you more to to be a uh, as popular to say nowadays 
practice searchers. So you're working as a researcher and practicing what you are researching. Mm -hmm. And I think that this academic part in my my journey is kind of an interesting interesting buildup to everything that I was doing until now. And I still think that I have much more to to work on. Mm -hmm. But it was interesting to to make a research to see uh, and to interview my colleagues, even though it was just a questionnaire sent online. But, you know, collecting the data, thinking about it, making some conclusions, thinking about the future, drawing some recommendations. So, yeah, an interesting process, definitely. Yeah. So your respondents said, we like to use the term, the same term that the spoken language interpreters use mm -hmm. for us. Do they add sign language interpreter to that or yeah, just yeah, interpreter? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Actually, the, the question was Croatian sign language interpreter or prevoditelj hrvatskog znakovnog jezika or too much. Mm -hmm. oh, I see. Because, uh, well, in the past 10 or so years, mm -hmm. we kind of uh, got used to using too much and prevoditelj as a, as a one, one term, actually. Yeah, like synonyms. Having, yeah, as a synonyms, but in a way to put like too much then slash prevoditel, meaning that ah. we are working also in courts, that we are working also in community. Mm -hmm. But I think that the, the thing is, uh, especially when you, when you have associations that expect interpreters to work a lot of different jobs, then you also expect from the interpreter to explain certain things to you. And then by, by explaining things, maybe you will, maybe unintentionally, but sometimes even intentionally, you will kind of force them to have the same opinion as you have. And mm -hmm. maybe that's a good thing sometimes, but we can't argue that's the thing old, all the times and for everyone. Yeah. So I think we should be a little bit cautious about this ambiguity in, in, the, in, the, in that term. Yeah. And still, there are a certain... Um, a certain misunderstanding or not fully clear understanding what those three terms should mean and what are the roles of those people. Mm -hmm. So I think that education will help with that. Yeah. And it's always hard. Even we will never explain to people who are not interpreters or familiar with the deaf community or sign language, it's going to be hard for them to ever learn what it really means and what we do. Or even, you know, care since it's not part of their lives. But it's best, like you said, for us to have a common standard in our mm -hmm. vocabulary together. And that's a good stepping point with from your research. That's nice. Yeah. And I think that when we present ourselves in a professional way, then also people will change the way how they see us as professionals or as a like a charity service. Exactly. Yeah. I had the most downloads ever in January 2024. Thank you. If you want to receive the latest episodes, click subscribe or follow to this podcast and tell a friend. Thank you. Let's go back. For those researchers out there in communities where a lot of the information is unknown right now or you're, they're at a stage where they're trying to go to that next level of development. If they wanted to try to figure out the same things you figured out with your research, what warnings or advice would you give them at this point that you wish you would have done differently? Well, every research has some limitations, 
as we know. So I'm not sure if I'm the best person to ask about, <laughs> about this academic part of the research because I'm, as I said, I just started with my, my research journey. Mm-hmm. But I know that sometimes, well, again, it depends. So who's funding, who's funding the, the research? Is it an institution? Do they have their ethical guidelines that you should that you should follow? Or do you have like a full freedom to do however you like to to adjust your your interview? Or now after after my research, I kind of a think that maybe if I did it as uh, not as a questionnaire, uh, if I change the methodology, if I uh, use the focus groups, mm-hmm. maybe it would give me more replies to some questions that I wasn't sure people understood fully. Mm-hmm. For example, I thought that if I ask my participants uh, if you are a part of interpreters association or if you are part if you are a part of a deaf association or deaf blind association that that's kind of kind of a straightforward question. And what I got was a lot of mixed replies and in the end I couldn't use that because I wasn't I wasn't sure if people thought that if they work for the deaf association, that they're a members. Uh. So maybe the membership thing is not that clear. And I remember when I started working, I was working for interpreters associations that I wasn't a member of. When I started working at that point, it it wasn't clear for me. I thought that if I'm an employee, then I'm definitely a member. You know, I'm an interpreter and, and I'm working for interpreters association. So maybe that question would be easily um, changed or asked differently if if it was a focus group or if I understood that people are not that clear what I was aiming for. So I'm not sure if I can if I can have like a recipe of recommendations <laughs> what to do and what not to do. But what helped me the most was reading a lot of different research getting to know methodology of the research. So that's mm-hmm. an important thing and having a really good mentors, that's the utmost thing <laughs> because they are more experienced. They've done it multiple times and they can guide you even when you think that you are stuck with some things that, I mean, I mean, I did this kind of a research for the first time in my life. So I really needed some someone experienced. And mm-hmm. thank you, Lisa, again, <laughs> for all the extra <laughs> hours with me. And Annalise and Sana. Because yeah, that, that that that's the thing. You're you're just, you know, jumping into something that you've never done and you mm-hmm. need experienced researchers to help you along the way. That sounds like good advice to me. At least it's some it's something. <laughs> That 23-year-old <laughs> out there who's just starting, it's great advice. And she wouldn't take it. Trust me. <laughs> <laughs> she wouldn't take it anyway. But she'll remember it when she's 43. <laughs> yes, definitely she would. <laughs> if you didn't understand that last joke, go back to the beginning of this interview and keep listening. So ends the interview with Nevis Gotovac from Croatia. What can we take away from this interview? Many things. In this episode, we can see how we can benefit our own communities, our country, our fellow interpreters by just asking them. For Nevis, she asked about 
who are the sign language interpreters in Croatia. For me, she found out a lot of interesting things. One, even though they do not have a university degree for sign language interpreters, half of the interpreters working have other degrees. They are educated in other fields. This is a good thing. The more knowledge we have of the world, of different fields, the better interpreters we can be. And I thought it was quite interesting to find out what do interpreters think of themselves? How do they define interpreter? Of course, in the Croatian language and in the system, they have the three working words or vocabulary for interpreter. And they have to navigate through that to find out exactly what it means, not only to them, but to the communities that they serve, which is one benefit of having an educational system ready, or program rather, for sign language interpreters to help the terminology become standard and understood by all practitioners, as well as the communities. For me, such a study focusing on something that will benefit the profession directly, almost immediately, is the best kind of research to help the development of the profession. Because with this type of research, you're gathering the information and finding out where everyone is at this point in time. Because if you want to develop from where you are, you need to know where you are. Just like a teacher does when asking students specific questions to understand how much knowledge and skill and expertise the students have in order to know where to start the lesson. Where do you build your curriculum for those students? Do you start here at a low level, at a medium level, at a high level? Because if the students are at level A and you want to jump to level D, they have a hard time connecting the dots between topic and topic. So building on what you have now allows you to have the foundation for a better future for the profession. So whether you know what to research next or whether you're confused about research, I suggest you follow the podcast or subscribe to the podcast because then you can keep calm, keep interpreting. I'll see you next week. Take care now.